Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. We've been able to deal with this very critically. I remember our topic is Proverbs 20, I mean, the, the text we are using is Proverbs 22, verse 29. Amplified translation to be very specific. Hallelujah. Do you see a man diligent and skillful in his business? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. We'll be looking at this and... Uh, I was able to illustrate to you the life of David, the life of Joseph, the life of Daniel, Ahitophet, simple counseling, simple wisdom. I'll give you all of those scriptures and uh, part one and two. So today I'm just going to look at it from the perspective of the grace that God has given to each and every one of us. So in the first place, don't you ever think that you don't have what to do and that God has not given you anything to work on. So whatever thing the Lord is giving to you to work on, God expects you to develop it. And that will bring you before kings. Amen? Okay. So let's quickly look at uh, Romans 12. I'm reading from verse 4, Amplified Translation. Romans 12. From verse 4, Amplified Translation. For as in one physical body, we have many parts, organs, members, and all of these parts do not have the same function or use. All of these parts do not have the same function or use. By implication, the church of God has many members, and so we have different offices or graces or gifts. Amen? And then sometimes, you know, some of you, for instance, like I used to say, the intercessors, they are not popular people. They are not known people. They are not like, they come here to start speaking. So more or less, they are not known. But can I tell you something? Most of the major, major factors of your body that keeps you going, they are not seen. Your heart, your liver, your kidney. I don't know if you are getting that. They are not known. They are not seen. You don't see them. Even if you undress, nobody sees your kidney, except by x-ray or whatever it may be. But they are the most vital organs in your life. Your heart, the most vital organs in your body. So sometimes people who are into intercessors or whatever, they think they are not relevant. But the truth is, they are the major keys and organs of the entire system. Praise God. And so, the kidney cannot say, well, I'm not known. Therefore, I don't need to perform anymore. No. The kidney, even though it's not seen, it's not apparent, no matter what happened, it cooperates with the body to make sure that you are alive. And that's exactly what the Bible is trying to make us understand. So, I need to get the fact that no matter who you are, you have a role to play within the body of Christ. Can I hear an amen? Okay. Go down to verse number five. <clears throat> verse five. So we, look at that, numerous as we are, are one body in Christ the Messiah, and individually we are part one of another, mutually dependent on one another. Get the key. We are mutually dependent on one another, we are part of one another. We can separate ourselves 
from the church. Praise the Lord. You can't separate yourself from the church you belong to. You can't separate yourself from the body of Christ. You need to play your role. You need to, I mean, exercise your own grace. Like now we have those in the technical there. They should do it proficiently and then, you know, it goes out. All our broadcasts are going out because we have a technical team. I am preaching. They are doing the recording, doing whatever thing they are supposed to do. What about those who come to clean the place? They clean the house. Keep up. These are roles you play within the body and God recognizes this role. Praise the living God. And you see here. That's why it's important. If you look at your own physical body, just cut your hand with something. What's the next thing? Your eyes will start bringing water. Your nose will start flushing. You understand what I'm saying? It's only a finger you have injury. What connect the eye with your finger now? But your eyes will start rushing water. Your nose, you understand what I'm saying? Headache will come. Every part of your body is interconnected. You understand that? You're walking on the road, you kick your toe on, on, on a stone. You get the pain where? On your head. The whole body is interconnected. And that's the way God intends the church to be. We are all interconnected. We are all related. We can, that is to say, you must play the role that God has given to you to do what? To play. Jesus will say that in John 15. He said, I'm the brand, I'm the vine, you are the branches, right? Remember that? I'm the vine, you are the branches. Say, any branch that is not with me dies and men gathers it for firewood. So one of the reasons why we die, one of the reasons why we don't function in our grace is when we refuse to be connected to the entire body. And we, we, we become pray for, for, for other spirit because we refuse to be connected, we refuse to be united to the source of life. Hallelujah. Look at the next thing. Verse 6. Having gifts, faculties, talents, qualities. I want you to understand this. Faculties, talents, qualities. Every one of you has got some qualities, got some talents. You have special graces that God has given to you. So when, when, when we're talking about developing yourself, is developing this grace, this quality, this kind of faculty that God has given to you. God gave them to you. That's what I'm trying to say. Hallelujah. So look at that. And he said, that differs according to the grace given us. Let us use them. He whose gift is prophecy, let him prophesy according to the proportion of his faith. Praise the Lord. And some of you are so gifted, even in this case of prophecy, but we don't see you. You don't make use of them. But God will hold you responsible for not using what he has given to you. That's what I'm trying to make you understand. And I mean, you understand that you can so flow in this dimension that literally you can see somebody in the streets and God will be giving you a word for that individual. And you can deliver that sort of word. And what's the next thing? 
such a person can pick you up and take you to somebody else. I don't know if you're getting this. Through this grace, you can turn men unto God. Even if they don't join your church. I read a story of a man at the airport who was reading the Bible. And then this man walked by and he said, What are you reading? You will see your time with this old book. And the person reading the Bible looked up and just mentioned, This is you. This is your wife's name. This is where you're passing through. This is where you are going to. And the man said, How do you know about me? He said, This old book. And that was the end. The man repented, became a Christian right at the airport. That's a part of the gift of prophecy. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. So that is prophecy which is evangelical. You can use this grace anywhere, anytime. Not just in church. Not just seeing people's uh, grandfather and seeing lizard on their bed. I'm not talking about that. Praise the living God. And some of you are graced with this, but you don't make use of them. God is saying you should develop these graces in your life. He gave you this gift for specific purposes for the body of Christ. And I want to repeat, He is going to reward you based on what you do with this grace is given to you. Remember, we mentioned talents there. And you know the story about the, the, the talent, the, 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 the parable of the talent, isn't it? The one that could not use his own, what happened was taken from him. So the more you don't exercise the grace in your life, the lesser you become in that grace. If God is giving you the prophetic grace to function with and you are not using it, what happened? You'll be going down. Praise the living God. What's the next thing? And he said, he was gift is practical service. Practical service. Let him give himself to serving. Let him give himself to serving. Practical serving. That's what I was saying, like cleaning this place, cleaning the toilet. This is grace. It's not everybody that wants to do that. And it's not a question of you have to be appointed before you do it. You just see yourself that you love to clean the place. You love to serve people. You love to help people. That is a unique grace God has given to you. That is a ministry. And God wants you to develop it. Hallelujah. God wants you to develop that grace. Just practical service. Serving people. I, I, I don't miss my uncle here. Uncle Francis. Flowers. Flowers everywhere, right? But I mean, he volunteered to be part of the decorators in this house. This is a grace. You go to his house, flowers. This is a grace. I, I, I'm thinking of what we're going to do, but I'm consulting him because I know he's good at that. Practical grace. There's no question. And can I tell you something? He'll be rewarded based on what he's doing now. He doesn't have to be a preacher to get rewarded. Because this is a grace that God has given. And God rewards how you use the grace that's given to you. That's your talent. That's your grace. You are good in singing. You don't need people to beg you to sing. You don't need it. Hallelujah. 
You don't need people to beg you to sing. You should volunteer. You should, you should be committed to it. That this is my grace. This is the gift God has given to me. Use it to bless and benefit the body of Christ. That is where God will reward you in. Hallelujah. Are you still there? So move on now. And he said, He was give. No, leave that place there. Take another thing. Go back. Okay. He was give his practical service. Let him give himself to serve it. He would teach his. So he's teaching. And I thank God I'm doing my own. Praise God. You have to do your own. I'm doing my own now. You know me? Yeah. And the thing is, I feel happier when I'm teaching. Is that okay? That's my grace. I've discovered it long time ago. I feel happy doing it. Sometimes I used to have my, I mean, I used to say, God help me. Because I go to services and certain things are going on, maybe drama or whatever, I become uncomfortable. I'm waiting for when the teaching will start. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. It troubles me if I go to a service and the word is not taught. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel happy. It is part of my spirit. That is the grace God has given to me. What I'm trying to make you understand, if you understand your grace, you already push to ensuring that that thing is done. You don't need somebody to pressure you to do it. Hallelujah. Now, wait, I won't have time to go into all of that, but we have different categories of teachers. Is that okay? We have just people who are exalters. We have those who actually expose the word. You have to understand and believe and know where you belong. And do it accordingly. And God is glorified. And God is happy. Hallelujah. Are you here? Okay. Let's the next thing. Verse number seven. Oh, okay. Verse eight now. He who exalts encourages to his exhortation. He who exalts from teaching to exhortation. If you are good at encouraging people, that is a grace. That is a ministry. You don't know when you start practicing it, people will start calling you from different places. I mean, have you heard the situation? I remember one of my friends. When people have problems, even couples, they will say, go to that man. And the whole nation, they know him for that. You have problem materially, I mean, Maritally, they would just say, go and meet that man. Even pastor recommend people to that individual. He's an encourager. Somebody who knows how to put things together. And by the time this grace flows through you, when you talk to people, they want to take what you're saying. Because that's your calling. It's just like we said, Ahitophel, when you speak, we're like, consulting an oracle. It is the same thing. If you know those who can give encouragement to people, when they talk to them, they receive it. That is the grace that is in their life. God will cause the world to sink in and those people changes their perception about what they intended to do. Some of you are imbued with this kind of grace, but you don't function in it. You don't even understand. That's why you need to discover exactly who you are supposed to be. Just to encourage people. 
That's your strength in people. Praise God, somebody. I, I have a sister that encourages me so much. Every day I talk about her. Over there in the U.S. She go through my message. She will be listening to the message right now. Okay? And she sent my messages out. And he said, David, I believe in your ministry. And I want more people to get to know. An encouragement. She will say, right, I will edit for you. All right? And she edit all these things. She edited all of them. That is an encourager. And God is going to reward her with this. What she is doing. She has a reward with God. Because that is the grace God has given to her. Look for somebody or discover people that needs to be encouraged with the grace they've gotten. Praise the living God. You must find your place and do it accordingly. It could be financial encouragement, it could be whatever. The important thing is you know that you are called as an encourager and that's your ministry. Amen? What's the next thing? He will contribute. Now keep it there. Back again. He will contribute. Let him do it in simplicity and liberality. That's another very important thing. How liberal are you in your contribution? Sometimes you discover that when you come to a fellowship just like we are, and certain things are about going on, you want to start thinking, how much are the men giving? How much are the women giving? I don't know if you follow what I'm saying. And it's okay. 5,000 each. Alright? Good. You want to wait for people to give first before you give. But if you are a liberal, if you are somebody that God has given this grace, you don't even think about how many people are going to give or how much people are going to give. You just give liberally because that is your grace. And the more you give, the more God makes resources available to you because that's your ministry. God cannot call you to be a giver and will not make money available for you to give. I don't know if you are getting this. So sometimes when you compare yourself with other people in terms of being liberal and contribution, what happened? You're shutting your door of supply. You're shutting the gate against the flood of God's supply into your life. You are not supposed to do that. If you are a liberal person, stay with it. I'm going to give you some examples of people who are liberal in the Bible. I wish I can do that. Hallelujah. So, he said, give liberally, then he who gives aid, assistance, and superintend with zeal and singleness of mind, he who does act of mercy with genuine cheerfulness and joyful eagerness. I need you to follow this in. Friends, when you go back home, take your Bible, go through this chapter that I'm dealing with now, and pray earnestly if you don't know who you are, so that God can get you to know exactly you are. Hallelujah. If you are somebody who is good at encouraging people, if you are somebody who is good at supporting people, just being liberal to people, just keep it up. Don't ever, not even when things are tough, not even when economies are bad, no. In the midst of when economies are bad, that is when you even show forth the grace that's upon your life. And like I said before, the more you try to do this, the more God bring the supply because that's your calling. You are a channel as far as God is concerned to minister to people who are in need. Praise God. So don't stop being a channel of supply. Don't stop being a channel of encouragement. 
Don't stop being a channel of showing mercy to those who are in need. Don't stop it. Exercise yourself in it. Volume of what is joyfulness, eagerness. I'm eager to give. And I'm happy to give. That's what matters. Hallelujah. Hate what is evil. Note all ungodliness. Turn in horror from wickedness. But oh fast, dark, which is what? Which is good. Now I want to show you simple two, three persons in the, in, in the scriptures that manifest part of these graces that I'm talking about. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 9. Look at verse 36. Acts 9 verse 36. Now, there was a Joppa, a certain disciple named Tabitha, who by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works. Underline good works in your Bible. And arms deeds, which she did. Good works and arms deeds. She was a giver. <laughs> Praise God. She was full of good works and she was a giver. Look at this. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died when they had washed her, or washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as leader was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he should not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows, all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter pulled them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, turning to the body, said, Tabitha, arise, and she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Amen. Go back to verse uh, 29. I mean, 39. Very important. I just want you to see that. Hallelujah. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he came, I mean when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber. And all the widows stood by him, what? Weeping. Can I ask you a question? What brought this woman out of the grave? Her arms did. Did you get that? Her arms did. What will you be remembered by? Are you an exhorter? Are you in prophetic? Are you liberal in giving? What will people ever remember you by? It is what they remember you by. That is what God also counts. This woman came out of the realm of the dead because of her deeds. Good works. So don't let anybody talk you down. Don't let anybody shut you down. Don't let anybody confuse you about what you are doing. You are sowing to your life. Anything you are doing, you are sowing to your own life, not somebody else's life. Was she the only woman in the city? But she had a place for the widows, taking care of widows. And they kept, look at this dress she gave to me. This widow come, look at this dress she gave to me. Everyone that came in there, they have something to show of what God has gave to them. What is your impact in people's life? Hallelujah. Are you still here with me? 
I'm just giving simple illustration, part of the gift that you can operate. What is your impact in people's life? Amen. If you die today and you are not dying, what will people say about you? What would they remember you by? Think about that. I mean, you can't live your life in isolation. Me and me and me and me. No. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Your neighbor as you love yourself. So the measure of love that you have for yourself, that's what you ought to have for your neighbor. Dorcas was there giving good things to people. Giving them clothes. We're not allowed the widows. The other widows would not have money maybe to buy clothes, but Dorcas was there. So with Dorcas alone, they were covered. They got no problem. And so it's like saying, oh God, don't allow Dorcas to go. Because if she leaves now, I'm going to go naked. I don't have money to buy clothes anymore. Dorcas is my supply. You see what I mean? Their prayers, their tears was what raised Dorcas from the grave. Hallelujah. Go with me to Acts 16, verse 13. You are sowing to your life for doing good. Acts 16, 13. And on a certain Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women who resorted thither. This Paul and Silas, they were talking of. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Theatre, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attend unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized, and her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And they went out of the prison. Verse 40. Go to verse 40. They went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. So you see, they entered into the house of Lydia. Lydia's house become a resource regularly when they are passing through that place. They made provision. She made provision for these people. I don't know if you are getting that. Anytime they are passing by, she opened a house. Having discovered that these are men of God. Open the house for them. Anytime they are passing by, instead of paying hotel bills, whatever, the house was available. Can you open your house? Can you open your house for the sake of the gospel? Have you ever discovered any man that you feel I wish during the Christmas time. Let me just pull this. During the Christmas, one of us here just came and said, Pastor, I need you. Can you give me a date? I just need you and Mama to come and have dinner in my house. It was a college talk, in quote, maybe, but the person never knew the value I place that invitation. The person never know the value I place on invitation because of what I feel he thinks about me and my family. Are you following what I'm saying now? He opened his house. My have dinner. You don't know what it means to dine with somebody. Call of God. You don't know what it means to provide for somebody. Call of God. 
You remember the story? How did Isaac come about? The parents entertain strangers, give them food to eat. How many of you remember that? That was just all. And as we're living, say, I know there's no child here, but next year you're going to have a child. It was food that opened the door. Food opened the womb of Sarah. By entertaining strangers that they don't know. Can you open your door? That's a grace. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are we seeing? Again, very close to that in the Old Testament. Look at 2 Kings chapter 4 from verse number 9. Here was Elisha. 2 Kings 4 verse number 9. Hallelujah. Okay, we'll take it up to verse, uh, verse 12. Now, as she said to her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is an holy man of God which passed by us continually. Here was my monitoring or constantly recognizing somebody passing by who is a man of God. I was an excellent. The Bible says, Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in there, or turn in thither. Was the next thing, verse 11. And the Bible says, And it was, and it fell on the day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. They provided a place for Elisha and Gehazi. As he was passing by, they opened the door. What happened? We're made to understand at the end of the story, when they were to leave, they only discovered again that this woman had no child. And this is what broke the barrenness, opening the door. He didn't request. It was not required to say, oh, we need a child, pray for us. You know what people are good at is lay hands on me, lay hands on me. And there's nothing wrong with that anyway. Living God. What is wrong with that? But you see, just connecting to grace, just connecting to life, just connecting to the one saint, doors can open for you. I'll give you a story here. Right? Somebody I've not met. Got to know me, I don't know how, receiving the messages. He came to town, started a ministry, and he sent a message to me and said, I want to partner with your ministry. Right? And when I was in Portugal three weeks ago, and he started partnering with the ministry, he gave me a testimony. He said, I was getting fed up with my shop. Anytime I come in, rat will mess up, pee everywhere, hot will be stinking. At a stage, as I got discouraged, I don't know what to do. It's like, can I change the shop or what happened? He said, but once I started partnering with you, after I saw my first seed into your life, Everything ended. No more rats. They don't come into my shop anymore. That is partnering with grace. These people saw Elisha and Gehazi. Let's give them comfort. Let's make them comfortable. Let's provide a place for them where they can rest, where they can sleep. And that's all. And what came out of that? A child. Barrenness was broken. Without fasting and prayer, barrenness was broken. Without going to the holy mountain, barrenness was broken. Without drinking water from Jerusalem. Is anybody following what I'm talking about? If you have grace, remember this part of 
If you're a cheerful person, if you're a merciful person, do that with kindness, with cheerfulness. Is that okay? I would just say, some of you, the grace in your life that will open doors for you, you are not using them, you are not manifesting them, you are not doing anything about them. That's the problem you have. Let me take this last scripture. I'll let you go on and think. Because sometimes we just need to think over these things. Jesus will teach his disciples and will ask them, do you understand these things? Other times we say, think about these things. Paul will say, think about these things. There are things to think about. And this one of them. Acts chapter 10, verse number 1. Here is Colinus, who is not a Jew. Amen? There was this other man in Caesarea called, I mean, Colinus, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Verse 2. And a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He gave alms and prayed. He wasn't just praying. You have two hands. Prayer, alms given. You have two hands. We believe in prayers, but we don't believe in alms given. Watch this. Verse 3. He saw in a vision, evidently, about the night hour of the day, and an angel came, angel of God coming into him, and saying unto him, Colinius, look at it, look at the address. And when he looked on him, he was afraid, and he said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and the arms have come up for a memorial before God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thy prayers and the arms have come up as a memorial. You know what that means? We don't have time to look at that, but Leviticus 2 verse 16, you see, when you're offering the sacrifices, the smoke rises up to heaven. God sniffs the sacrifices you're offering. Leviticus 2, 16. So when he said, your prayer become a memorial. That means everything Colinus was doing is being stored up in the heavens. Now it is time to reward him. And what's the next thing? He became the first Gentile to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Him and his household. He wasn't praying for Holy Spirit baptism. How did they come? His prayers, his arms became what? A memorial before God. Don't think the offering or the gift you are given are a waste. This will make you understand that even the offerings you are given, you are storing up memorial in the heavens. Doing good to people. They are ahead waiting for you. When Colinus was doing this, he had no thought of what was going to happen. He had no mind of what was going to happen. But his arms and his prayers became so much of a memorial that in the new season that God had initiated, he became the force to do what? To partake of it. Everything you do, they are going ahead waiting for you. Praise the living God. See, Dorcas, all the good things that she was doing, they went ahead waiting. By the time she died, the good came and started speaking, and she came out. 
Some of the things that will deliver you are the good things that you are doing. The arms that you are giving to people. The help, the support you are giving to people. They are the things that will just set you free in times of trouble, in times of difficulties, in times of problems. You will, you will receive help when you least expect it because you have been a source of encouragement to other people. What am I trying to make you understand? You have grace, but you are not using it. But you need to develop your grace. You need to develop the gift that God has given to you. This faculty, this talent, this ability, you need to develop it. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying here? You need to develop it because they are the things that goes ahead to wait for you. In times, you know what we say? This is the best way to save for the rainy day. You don't have all the money to save for the rainy day. But here is a system that you can apply to save for the rainy day. Doing good. I want to assure you that everything you are blessing people with is not a waste. Hallelujah. You are not wasting your time. You are building up for yourself a future, a time of rejoicing, a time of rejoicing that no man can think about. I'm trying to make you understand. God is having a record of all that you are doing. This is not religion. I'm not saying this to entice you, but I'm telling you that's the way it is. That's what the Bible says. Colina is an example. Lydia is an example. I mean, Doka is an example. Every good thing they were doing went ahead waiting for them. When time and the season came, here is a reward. God said, thy prayers, thy arms have come up as what? A memorial. Hallelujah. Listen, you, you can't outgive God such that God don't recognize. I told us here before, remember Solomon. King Solomon. Why did God come down to say, Solomon, what do you want? Huh? We understand that Solomon went and offered sacrifices. So much sacrifices. And in the night, God came to Solomon's cell phone. What do you really want? Why do you have to give all of this? Why do you have to offer this kind of sacrifice? What do you want? I mean, it's like Solomon placed God at his own mercy to tell God what he wants. And Solomon said, I, I don't think I need anything. I just need wisdom. I'm not a king. I should be able to rule the people well. And God said, okay, fine. Since you didn't ask for your enemy's head, which will have been the first thing you will have been praying for, if you were the one. You didn't ask for your enemy's head. You didn't ask for wealth. You didn't ask for long life. All this and much more I'm going to add to your life. And we're made to understand there was no king that was as rich as who? As Solomon. But he never asked for words. He simply asked for what? Wisdom. That's all. Which is God's life. Proverbs 8 tells us who wisdom really is. Wisdom is Christ. He just asked for Christ's spirit. Hallelujah. And everything else that he needed in life was added to his life. How did God come down to begin to ask him the question? He sold into the life of God by offering that sacrifice. He beat the sacrifice of any other person. And God had no option to say, what do you want? May God start asking you that question. May God start visiting you. May God start coming to you. Stand up a little bit.
It's time you understand that the season that we are, God can literally come to you, visit you. Why? Because there are certain things that He has dropped in your life that He wants you to manifest. I need you to pray. Looking at that, Romans 12. Where do you belong? What grace do you carry? How are you using the grace that you carry? How are you manifesting the grace that you carry? I need you to pray. How did Dorcas come to life? How did the woman who took care of Elijah broke the spirit of barrenness? Look at that. Every one of them, especially the one of Dorcas, and the people said, this is a garment she made for me. This is a garment she gave to me. All the widow have something to say about Dorcas. What do people say about you? Think about it, my friend. And don't you ever think that the good you are doing is a waste. The good you are giving is not a waste, people. The effort you are putting in to making somebody happy, is not a waste. You are exercising the talent, the grace, the ability God has given to you. And what's the next thing? You are sowing into your future. These are some of the reasons why the devil can't even kill you. Death came unto Dorcas, but death could not hold Dorcas back. Why? Because of the grace that was upon his life or her life. The gift she was giving out to people made it impossible for the devil to hold her back. Jesus went about doing good. Healing all that was sick and oppressed of the devil. Dorcas was doing good, full of good works. That's how to be Christ-like. Dorcas was full of good works. Oh, glory. And so death could not hold Dorcas back. Talk to your father briefly. Hallelujah. But God will open you up, a barrel of mercy. God will open you up to that dimension where you can be able to flow. That when you are doing whatever thing you are doing, you are not thinking back. You are not comparing yourself with other people. You just know that this thing produces. There is life in what I'm doing. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org. God bless you.